Greetings, Starseeds, and welcome to A Cosmic Journey. The podcast about science and spirituality, where we discuss everything in the universe from the physical to the metaphysical. I'm Demi Wilde. And I'm Jay Maceo. Uh, now, this week, we've got cosmic news stories like how SpaceX is speeding up its rocket testing capabilities in Texas. Yes, God. Or how a Florida man pause for effect, uh, set himself on fire <laughs> trying to burn his house down. Now, for our Patreon listeners only, we have Demi's Astrology Corner, and for this week of January 24th, uh, 18th through 24th, that is. And Jay tells us how to spot the signs that we are connected to Source with his cosmic insights. So be sure to subscribe. Do that. Plus, we take a deep dive into the black hole. A splash. To learn about near-death experiences. Ooh. So what's new with you? How's this week been? This week has been so awesome. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before. I started writing uh, with another writer. Right. Yeah. I, who who was this? Or you didn't tell us who it was last week. Uh, her her name is Tanya. She is very very awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just started writing, and it's just it's going well, and it's really inspired me to you know write with her and to write a bunch of stuff and just to be so much more creative mm-hmm. and to put me in such a, an awesome uh, headspace. So I am very very excited about that. There's some some awesome things happening. What about you? What's going on with you? Uh, apart from my um, life coaching that I've been doing this week, I, yeah. <laughs> so I had a meeting yesterday, and you know I've been working my new job and everything. So like I, I've I was very tired, and I, I took a nap when I got home from work, or, and <laughs> I ended up sleeping like thirty way thirty minutes through, and I I, I got from from the meeting, mm-hmm. and I got a message from him saying like, "Hi, where are you? <laughs> what are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh shit." I'm supposed I mean, to coach your life. I'm supposed to coach your life, but yeah. I, I I guess he started a little bit late anyway, so it wasn't that bad. But um, other than that, uh, just working and 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 getting things done and and trying to trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. It's I'm expecting 2021. It, it, it's kind of I know it is a ridiculous notion to say that these 365 days are just one time period, but in another sense, you know, 2020 was a beast all its own. Yeah. So I'd say I'm expecting this year. Uh, I think it has already been an awesome year, and I think it will continue with that trend. Totally. Sometimes it's what you make it. Did you listen to, um, by the way, did you listen to the House Representatives impeachment? No, I didn't. I actually did not listen, but I did see that uh, Nancy Pelosi, You, I'm sure you saw this, wore the same dress at both impeachment. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> it's my impeachment dress. This is my impeachment dress. I mean, uh, so I was at work and I, I turned on NPR. Mm-hmm. And I had ended up like kind of listening, and I had started listening to everything, and that everybody's kind of rebuttals, and it was just back and forth, back and forth, Republican, Democrat, Republican, De- Democrat, and it was like, it was just so much to kind of take in all at once, and just the back and forth, I was getting so anxious, just like, like oh my god, like, how, I don't want to get super political in here, but like, mm-hmm. some of these people, these re- Republicans, just are so complicit with with the things that are happening and and that they're totally okay with just arguing in favor of a, a man who incited violence like it you know it, it what's scary sometimes is that when somebody has a strong base he made a comment uh, trump made a comment before yeah. about how his base was so strong that he could walk down fifth avenue and shoot somebody and he right. wouldn't lose any votes and the crazy thing about that is that there are certain people that are so dedicated uh to him for that and I don't know whether it's genius or mad genius or just craziness or and it is crazy, but to be, you know, to I, I look at things from a, an individual point of view rather than a personal point of view. Right. And there's so many people that view him as I think if you view Trump or anybody as someone who can't do wrong, then you're setting yourself up. Right. And, and it's really crazy because yeah, I I don't know I. <laughs> I, I think that we need to like really, really focus on like how intelligence works and and what kind of intelligence is actually intelligent and yeah, his form of intelligence is anti-intelligence if that makes any sense. Well, you know what it is. It's uh, one thing he has learned. It's a, a sales skill that right. I think he's learned, and I think people in a lot of places learn it is to get people emotional, and sometimes the best salesman or con artist or whatever, 
or who want to push an agenda can get people emotional in a way that they think they're being rational, but they're using strictly emotion. And, That's a good point, yeah. And certain times, too, and I got to be careful, too, because I, I want to be careful, too, because I'm on, I, I don't want to be guilty of the same thing. Right. And I think that I want to be very careful because sometimes people think, well, they get so upset and they're like, no, I don't have to be nice because this and that. And it's like, it's it's one of those things that we just have to you know watch out about when our emotions get too heavy mm-hmm. because they can cloud out rationale. And I think that's what's happening with uh, the, those capital folks and, you know, all those people that were, you know. Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> enough about that. Yes. Well, we want to thank some new listeners, don't we? Yes, we do. We have some in Centennial, Florida. Uh, actually, Centennial, Colorado. Just kidding. <laughs> El Monte, California. Hillerod, Denmark. Uh, Spring Valley, Nevada. Flagami, Florida. Los Angeles, California. That's where we live. San Jose, California. Boston, Massachusetts. Miami, Florida. Lithia Springs, Georgia. That's a new one. Las Cruces, New Mexico. Also a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burbank, California. And Monterey Park, California. That's not the last one. <laughs> also, Cliché Ile de France. Yes. Uh, no new reviews for us this week, but remember to rate us, and if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we will read them on our next show. Yeah. We'll give you some, uh, some uh, what do you call it? Some props. Some props. get into some news yep we have some news and some of it's crazy i i love to you, you when you just type florida man <laughs> you know and it, the craziest stuff comes up by mm. the by the way there's a drag queen named florida man no oh my god and i absolutely love this person because mm-hmm. they do a a, a a female voldemort mm-hmm. from harry potter uh-huh it's the best thing in the world. Nice. I have, best to, thing. I have to see this Florida man. Ah, oh, this Florida, Florida is, man. It's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, somebody wanted to burn it down in Florida. So a Florida man set himself on fire over the weekend in an alleged attempt at arson gone terribly wrong. Of course. So he tried to burn his own house down. Officers uh, along the with firefighters with uh, Tampa Fire Rescue were called to a private residence just before 6 a.m., in response to reports of a fire. Upon their arrival, they found Scott Massa uh, at the scene and determined that he was responsible for arson, uh, an arson attempt. Massa allegedly had first broken a window at the home before trying to toss a bucket of accelerant into the house. However, his plan backfired when he, he literally, uh, the, the accelerant exploded and he found himself on fire. Uh, that's not a, you know, I... I had a candle incident I told you about recently. Yeah. <laughs> and fire, are you learn? I had, I was trying to like, you know, you know, take the fire out and the fire was in my hand. And it's like, you learn how powerful fire is when that happens. It's you like, never played with fire as a kid, did you? No. See, I did all the time. So oh, I well. learned how, how to control fire. I <laughs> Not control fire. Like I'm a telekinetic. Ooh. I'm Carrie. That would be awesome. <laughs> Well, he was able to flee the scene and drive away in his car, but authorities uh, later located him at St. Joseph's Hospital where he was seeking treatment for his injuries. Yeah, go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. because uh, uh, <laughs> He was detained for the crime, but is currently undergoing, undergoing treatment at Tampa General Hospital's burn unit for the serious injuries he sustained during the alleged arson attempt. And it was his own house, right? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, why was he trying? Was he trying to commit insurance fraud or probably, something? Probably, probably, probably. Yeah, huh? Cause like yeah. he just like he he started the fire, but then he tried to like throw something in, throw like the accelerant in, and then ended up just blowing up in his face. Right. And he he broke a window too, so it's like I don't know whether he was like it must have been an insurance thing. I I, I would assume so. Yeah. People are dumb. They dumb. Florida. I actually want to visit Florida. You know what? I wasn't a fan of Florida until 2012. I'd gone there and had some bad experiences. Then in 2012, I went there for a couple of weeks. I loved it, loved it, loved it. I was in the um, Deerfield Beach. No, not not that time. I was in the uh, Fort Lauderdale area. Okay, yeah. I went to Wilton Manor. Oh, my God. I love that place. That was such a... That's the, the gay place out there. Okay. It was so freaking friendly. When I went there... I went there one day. The next day, people walking down the street knew me by name. It was just so, <laughs> so awesome. See, 
Florida gets a bad rap, but I, I definitely want to go and visit sometime. Yeah. Um, all right. So I found this story about uh, the science behind cow friends. What? So according to a new study, cows can have best friends. Aww. Uh, for Are we cows? <laughs> we're cows. <laughs> What'd you call me? For the study, cows were penned for 30 minute uh, for 30 minute intervals twice, once with a preferred partner or a best friend, and once with a cow that they did not know. During this time, the heart rates of the cows were measured. As it turns out, when paired with their best friend, the cow's heart rates were significantly lower and they experienced less stress overall. Hmm. Why is this important? These findings not only have implications for the dairy industry, but also for the well-being of the animals themselves. Uh, the notion show, uh, that cows can have best friends indicates that a great degree of personality in the species and a desire, not unlike our own, to develop deep personal connections with others. Aww. Also in a 2014 study, researchers from the University of British Columbia found that young calves that live alone uh, perform worse on tasks of cognitive skill than those that they live with that live with a buddy. Um, both studies indicate the benefits of long-term social connection in cows. Well, wait, now what kind of cognitive skill studies are they having with calves? Are they doing, you know, the SAT? <laughs> what is going on here? When they do the horse things and they, when they, you know, stamp the thing, do, do horse math, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> Click their heels. Yes. Um, no, I... I, I remember what they were saying is I don't remember how exactly how this worked, but they would take the calves and kind of like a maze mm-hmm. type situation where they would mm-hmm. find like the milk at the end oh, okay. and like kind of like that. But the, the ones that performed by themselves performed worse than the ones that had the friend. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Cause I was like, they're too, you know, they cannot hold a number two pencil. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Isn't that cute? They that, have cow friends. It is. And it gives them less stress. Well, speaking of stress, so, a new story I've found, uh, there's stress that is blamed on technology, right. <laughs> right? So, tech frustrations happen to all of us. Your Wi-Fi is always dropping out. Your passwords don't work. I just I take a break for a second. This is going on with me right now with uh, Coinbase, which is the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, uh, cryptocurrency. Oh, your, your Bitcoin thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, I can't get into it. And it's also going on with a couple of other websites. Uh, this PPP loan website. Uh, for some reason, I log in. I can't log in. So I have these frustrations. So this is very dear and close to my heart right now. Uh, you know, laptops crash. You lose everything you were working on. Technology can damage our state of mind. And new research is bearing, uh, bearing that out. Computer giant Dell Technologies, in partnership with neuroscience uh, firm Emotive, you like that? Emotive? Yeah, yeah emotive. Uh, <laughs> put people through a gauntlet of bad tech experiences, then measured their brain waves. Not an episode goes by. Without minting brain waves. Uh, measured their brain waves to gauge their reactions. Now, the test subjects had trouble logging on or, uh, or uh, had to navigate sluggish applications or saw their spreadsheets crash. The moment people just started using bad technology... They saw a doubling of their stress levels, which okay. is actually strange uh, because uh, rarely do they ever see spikes in uh, other, other tests. So the spikes can, however, be uh, slightly elevated due to environmental factors like knowing they were being tested or because of the pandemic or political climate. Although this may be true, uh, this research leads us to a uh, better overall uh, user experience. Uh, and uh, from and has better efforts from tech uh, technology companies. I don't know. I had trouble with that, uh, which may lead to healthier, happier customers. So, I think what it really boils down to is like, yeah, like user interface. Like when um, number one, like you can't really control, you know, bad tech. So, but we can control bad development and bad people. <laughs> you can't control came. bad people. No, <laughs> I wish you could. However. Um, like bad development is is one thing that can be like say for instance like I tried to use TikTok the other day mm-hmm. for the first time <laughs> I could not figure it out yeah it is there's some people I know that are so good with TikTok they know how to put this video up with this and that and it's you know what we are not Zoomers now you know with mm-hmm. the Zoomers and you know we love you Zoomers we love Millennials I'm a Gen Xer I'm the youngest of the Gen Xers I'm like an elder Millennial I'm yeah like, I'm, the, I'm the older Millennial yeah I well. I, I mean, people... Not, 84. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm 88. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know when you're... No, but 80, 84, is it? Yeah, so first year. Gen X ends at uh, 83. I don't know. There's some people that were born in 83 who I would call uh, millennials. Whatever. Yeah. Anyhow, but now you know how I felt when Gen X was like, you know, when millennials were starting to... It's just so weird. The people that are the generation after the millennials, the Zoomers, mm-hmm. are now adults now. Some of them are adults now. And that's just so like the oldest of the... It's so weird. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's so weird. Yes. How do we, we sound like old people now. I know. <laughs> yeah, Sonny. It's just time goes so fast. You never mm-hmm. know like exactly how it's going to work out. But uh, time the older flies you, when you're getting old. The older you get, the, the faster time flies. Yeah. Um, here's some good news from Amazon. Ooh, I want some good news. So Amazon is pledging to invest more than $2 billion over the next five years towards affordable housing in three cities where it has major operations. Oh, yes, Lord. The tech giant's new housing equity fund will invest in moderate to low-income housing around Seattle, Nashville, and Arlington, uh, Virginia, where the company ultimately expects to have at least 5,000 employees each. The first investment of more than $567 million will go towards 1,300 affordable apartments near Headquarters 2, Amazon's new Virginia headquarters, and up to 1,000 apartments near its Seattle, Washington headquarters. Um, Side note, I used to live in Seattle for six years. Mm. The first apartment I went in, I lived in, cost $750 in Beacon Hill. Wow. That same apartment, when I left six years later, mm-hmm. went for like 1300 Wow. Like in five years. Wow. Like it just doubled. Wow. Um, and then it's only been going up more and more every year since. So it's definitely a problem because like, you know, Google's there, Microsoft's there, mm. um, Amazon's there. A um, bunch of other tech. It's kind of like the new Silicon Valley in a way. Yeah. Nintendo's there too. Really? Yeah. It's just like, you know, <sighs> gentrification's a real thing. Yes. So this is kind of a really good thing that they're uh, actually investing in affordable housing because Amazon employees don't make that much money either. Really? Um, unless they're tech, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, they make $15 I've... an hour in the warehouses. Wow. Yeah. Um, anywho, uh, Amazon has been criticized in the past for gentrifying the areas where it has open large operations and driving up the cost of housing. Uh, yes. <laughs> A number of cities competed aggressively to become the new home for headquarters, too, with Arlington, Virginia, and Long Island City, Queens, in New York, ultimately winning the bid for a split headquarters in 2018. Do you remember this? It was like uh, it was between Atlanta and Virginia and New York. I do not recall. Yeah, there was like the top mm. three that were kind of like bidding and like trying to like win Amazon's favor. Oh. I kind of wish that Atlanta got Bacon it. Amazon pies and shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Amazon, how you doing? I got you some peach cobbler. Um, Amazon says that its new approach is designed to help low and middle families in the areas it calls home. Home? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's all awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's... Okay, I, I take it back. I, I don't wish Atlanta got this because... Hotland. Now Atlanta is still going to be affordable. It's not going to be gentrified. Mm-hmm. However, I think this is really good for the places that are already expensive, like New York oh, yeah, and yeah. Seattle. Yeah. For sure. I can't believe it's that expensive. Virginia is very expensive, too. Me, the DC Virginia. area, specifically. Oh, I thought of that song. Well, we talked last week about... Uh, do you remember we spoke about the six-month thing, the UFOs? Yes. I was so excited about this, so... We spoke about how they have uh, 180 days, mm-hmm. so now it's less than six months, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, all these government entities to give all they have on UFOs or UAPs, which are different from WAPs. Um, <laughs> I just want to make sure that's an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Is Not what, wet-ass pussies. Yes, or unidentified-ass. <laughs> unidentified-ass pussies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whose is that? I don't know. You know somebody, <laughs> can you imagine? It's on the back of a milk carton. <laughs> but now uh, what they have is, you know, they have 180 days, but the CIA has gone in a little bit faster. So in anticipation of the government's official uh, UFO report coming in the next six months, Less than six months due to the COVID bill. Mm-hmm. If you remember, they had this uh, part of the COVID bill that was tucked in there. Uh, you can now download all of the publicly available CIA documents on UFOs. Yes. Now, there's a site. I went there myself, so I'm kind of excited. Uh, the Black Vault, a clearinghouse for declassified documents, has released a downloadable document archive filled with PDFs containing CIA uh, files on an unidentified aerial phenomena. UAPs, mm-hmm. uh, the government's preferred term, and uh, some of these reports date way back to the 1980s. Now, 
According to the site, uh, around 10,000 Freedom of Information Act reports were acquired uh, to obtain the PDFs, and the process was excruciatingly long. Uh, each document was scanned by hand. Jeez. And I looked. I went to this website. We're gonna post a, a link to this, and you know, there's a link to the uh, to the uh, actual PDFs in there also. I looked in there, just like you scroll down pages and pages and pages uh, for each PDF. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of digging, but when once you find something in there that's interesting, it's really uh, fun. Now, I, I have a scanner at home. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the very lucky few. I found it actually on the street. Oh, nice. And it works. And I've had to do a lot of scanning recently. So 10,000 documents of hand scanning. Mm. Ugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Woof. Yeah. No. <laughs> Woof. Woof. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, the first uh, UFO information to be classified uh, came in the 1970s and early 80s. And after this, it was exceptionally difficult to obtain information from the government regarding extraterrestrial phenomenon. Now, the blog notes that the CIA claims that this represents all its documents on the file, but there can be no way to really verify that those are the only documents right. out there. Come on, CIA. Are you hiding something? <laughs> what you hiding? <laughs> yeah. Come on, CIA. Um, our last news stories of the day is... Uh, I actually switched this out because the other one was not that interesting at all. This is a lot more interesting. Now I'm interested in what the non-interesting one was. The non-interesting one is, was about... First of all, it was a Fox News uh, thing. So I said, no, yes. uh, we don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. But also, Fox News also thinks that um, a man smuggling a samosa into a, a jail cell in his butt cheeks is like newsworthy. So I thought it was funny, but then I'm like, wait, this is like, no, this is like not even, not even newsworthy. Oh my God. It must've been a good ass samosa, you know, (laughs) to not only, not only to have to smuggle it in and it's that good, but that it would still be worth it. After having it up in your butt cheeks. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Okay, I'm sorry. I know you. we but, have this story. But, but like, why is this newsworthy, according to Fox News? I don't know. I mean, uh, my day is made a little bit brighter and a little bit scarier. Both. Knowing exactly. about this story. So. <laughs> exactly. So I'm glad. Okay, so this is a, a lot more interesting story to me. All right. um, so SpaceX is conducting uh, has conducted three successful tests in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so SpaceX on Wednesday, uh, January 13th, successfully conducted three tests of its Starship rocket engines on the same day. The first time SpaceX has done multiple tests on a single day in the south of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last test occurred at 3.35 p.m. on Wednesday, just an hour, before, an hour and 45 minutes after the second test. The first two tests were spaced out. Excuse me. <laughs> We're spaced out, man. LaCroix. Um, spaced out two hours apart earlier in the day. A few minutes after the last test on Wednesday, uh, SpaceX CEO Elon Musk tweeted this, his elation of the successful static fire tests, uh, each of which included a quick firing of the Starship's prototype three massive Raptor engines all at once. Well, I just had to say this. Elon Musk has uh, tweeted some colorful stuff. Look at his, you know, Twitter. I'm just oh, his, he tweets colorful things yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a very interesting person. Also, one of those, one of those pictures. I was like, Elon Musk, are they gonna put you in Twitter jail? He's, he's funny, but very dry funny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like very dry funny. Um, all three tests were successful and come as SpaceX prepares to conduct uh, another launch in the next few days of its Mammoth Starship prototype from its South Texas launch facility near Boca Chica Beach. Boca Chica. Boca Chica. Uh, previously on December 9th, SpaceX launched a 16-story tall Starship's SN8 and flew it on its first high-altitude test flight. However, the spaceship exploded upon landing. Ooh. Did you see this video, by the I way? I did not, but I want to now. Yeah, I it, it was actually really cool. They, they called it a success. Mm-hmm. They were trying to test a new kind of way to land it, and it was actually kind of like they, they wanted to kind of belly flop it. So they, it, mm. they basically flew up, straight up, and then they turned off all the engines, and they had it go sideways. So they would like come down sideways mm-hmm. and then kind of belly flop, but then they would kind of re-enter it back into vertical mode. Gotcha. In order to like bring it down to a certain thing, but one of the engines failed um, upon landing. The other two kicked back in. However, it wasn't quite enough just in time, and then it just landed straight down. Boom. Wow. Yeah, it was it a really cool up. video. And it was SN8. SN8. I can I start calling SN8. Can I call it Snate? Snate. <laughs> Snate. What up, Snate? 
if they um, want to do it. But yeah, Musk one day does hope to fly the spaceship to Mars. I bet he does. Yeah. He's, he's do, done a lot. Do you remember the video, the, uh, the story that we did that one time about uh, Elon Musk's like red Mini Cooper, or red thing with the Starman? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's just orbiting Earth right now. This brother has a, uh, a car in space. He just has a car in space orbiting. Yeah. Anyways. Didn't he become, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he just overtake Jeff Bezos? As the world's richest man, he may have. I think this just happened. We're, we're gonna They're like neck and neck. Yeah. 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 Anywho, that has been Cosmic News. Thank you for tuning in, you guys, live. And uh, this video will also be on our YouTube page later on, uh, so you can check it out there as well. But um, in the meantime, uh, we'll be right back and uh, enjoy this break. Enjoy it. I'm just yelling things out. <laughs> show or something right now. This your uncle Snappy. Your Aunt Sylvia is in the kitchen frying me some chicken. Baby, keep frying it. You understand? Well, I hear y'all talking about near-death experience. There's a, a show on Netflix about near-death experiences. I don't want to be near-death. I want to live forever. So y'all better teach me something about how I can live forever by the folks who've been near-death. Anyhow, I'm about to eat this chicken now. Y'all y'all boys take care. Bye. <laughs> Oh, welcome back, Star Seeds. Um, today we have a very special topic that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about near-death experiences. What? Yeah, I'm going to get weird. Um, so there is a new documentary series on Netflix called uh, Surviving Death, and it seeks to vi- up- <laughs> There is a new documentary series on Netflix which seeks to lift the veil through the mystery of death, and it's called Surviving Death. Yes, I saw that. Uh, the show discusses several topics surrounding the afterlife, such as mediums, seeing dead people, receiving messages from the beyond, to reincarnation in an effort to shed light on a very popular subject. Near-death experiences are often referred to as the bridge between science and spirituality, as it is one of the most clinically studied topics, as there are years of research dating all the way back to the Renaissance and even beyond. Today on The Cosmic Journey, we will attempt to shed light on this very fascinating subject for our listeners. We do. Uh, the definition, a near-death experience, or NDE, is a profound personal experience associated with death or impending death, which researchers claim share similar characteristics. When positive, uh, such experiences may encompass a variety of sensations, including detachment from the body, feelings of levitation, total serenity, security, warmth, Experience of absolute disillusion, uh, <laughs> the presence of light. When negative, such experiences may include sensation of anguish and distress. Uh, explanations for NDEs vary from scientific to religious. Neuroscience research hypothesizes that an NDE is a subjective phenomenon resulting from disturbed bodily multisensorial uh, sensory integration that occurs during life-threatening events, while some transcendental and religious beliefs about an afterlife include descriptions similar to NDEs. I can name another time that I felt a complete detachment from my body. <laughs> we won't go into details. I want to hear this story. <laughs> Let's just say uh, it was fun. Um, <laughs> hey. hey. Um, the, so the equivalent French term, expérience de mort imminente. Uh, it was probably very bad French, but experienced the imminent death um, mm. was proposed by French psychologist and epistemologist Victor Egger. Uh, his name was a result of the discussions in the 1890s among philosophers and psychologists uh, concerning climber stories of panoramic life review during falls. In 1892, a series of subjective observations by workers Falling from scaffolds, war soldiers who suffered injuries, climbers who had fallen from heights or under other individuals who had come close to death, as reported by Albert Heim. This is the first time the phenomenon was described as a clinical syndrome. 
1968, Celia Green published an analysis of 400 first-hand accounts of out-of-body experiences. This represented the first attempt to, to classify such experiences. And in 1969, Swiss-American psychiatrist and pioneer in near-death studies, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, published her book on death and dying, what the dying have to teach doctors, nurses, clergy, and their own families. These experiences were also popularized by the work of psychiatrist Raymond Moody, who in 1975 coined the term near-death experience as an umbrella term for the different elements. However, the term near-death experience had already been used by John C. Lilly in 1972. The science of NDEs, or near-death experiences, some of the causes suggested by scientists that may cause an NDE include oxygen shortage, imperfect anesthesia, or the body's neurochemical responses to trauma. Experiencers diminish these explanations as inadequate and the medical conditions under which NDEs happen, they say, are too varied to explain the phenomena that seems so widespread and consistent. Though some of these stories may be fabrication and may become embellished in the retelling, they are too numerous and well-documented to be dismissed altogether, especially accounts by respected physicians with professional and reputation, professional reputations to protect. As medical technology continues to improve, it's bringing people back even closer, from even closer uh, to the brink of death. Yeah. A small, lucky handful of people made uh, full, nearly uh, full recoveries after spending hours with no breath, pulse, buried in snow, submerged in very cold water. Surgeons sometimes create these uh, conditions intentionally, chilling the patient's bodies or stopping their hearts in order to perform complex, very dangerous surgeries. Uh, Recently, they have begun to uh, try out uh, such techniques on several injured trauma victims keeping them between life and death until their wounds can be repaired. Now, written accounts of near-death experiences or things that sound like them date back to the Middle Ages, and some researchers say even to ancient times. The medical journal uh, Resuscitation recently published a brief account of the oldest medical description of an NDE written in the 18th century uh, by a French military doctor. But the modern era of research into near-death experiences is generally said to have begun in 1975 when Raymond A. Moody Jr., a philosopher-turned-psychiatrist, published Life After Life, uh, a book based on interviews with some 50 experiencers. The latest attempt to collect data on NDEs was the AWARE study, led by Sam Parnia, published in Resuscitation last October. So that's actually still going on. Interesting. Mm. Um... Uh, in it, 15 participating hospitals in the United States, the United Kingdom, and Austria installed uh, shelves bearing a variety of images in rooms where cardiac arrest patients were likely to need reviving. Uh, the results of the AWARE study immediately highlight the key problem with the, oh, so basically, uh, when it, they installed sh- shelves bearing items, so whenever like they, 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 the person died, mm-hmm. like uh, they would you know, rise above the body and then see what was on the shelves above. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, and then a lot of them were ac- would actually say what it was that they saw. Um, so in it, 15 participants... Okay, uh, the results of the AWARE study immediately highlight the key problem with this kind of research, however. It's very hard to get enough data. Uh, so four years, a study recorded a total of 2,060 cardiac arrests. Of those patients, 330 survived, 140 of whom were judged well enough to be interviewed and agreed to participate. Of those 140... 101 made it past screening interview. The others were unable to continue predominantly due to fatigue. Of those 101, nine remembered, remembered experiences that, that counted as an NDE, and two remembered of the uh, remembered an out-of-body experience. Wow. Of the two, one became too ill to interview further, <laughs> and that left just one subject who could recount what he had seen in detail. Although the data may be limited, all of this makes uh, NDEs perhaps the only spiritual experience that we have a chance of investigating in a truly thorough scientific way. The spiritual side of NDEs. Ooh. NDEs are a vehicle for exploring the ancient human belief that we are more than meat, and it makes uh, them... NDEs are a vehicle for exploring the ancient human belief that we are more than meat, and it makes them a lens through which we uh, peer the workings of consciousness. Even the after, if the afterlife isn't real, 
the sensations of having been there certainly are uh, experiencing in the NDE. Many people say they don't realize for years that they've had an NDE and piece it together only after they notice the effects. These include heightened sensitivity to light, sound, and certain chemicals, becoming more caring and generous, sometimes to a fault, having trouble with timekeeping and finances, feeling under uh, unconditional love for everyone, or, and having a strange influence on electrical equipment. At one conference uh, of NDEers in San Diego, an organizer said that the hotel's computer system went down. They explained that if you put 400 experiencers in a hotel together, something's going to happen. That's so weird. Right? That is, that's, yeah. Uh, when people have an out-of-body experience during an NDE, they are said to be able to describe events and things happening in the vicinity with great detail such as someone in the other room and what kind of shoes they were wearing, or a conversation being had. Uh, others say they are enveloped in uh, blinding light and traveling through a tunnel or a portal. Some say they are even greeted by dead, long-lost relatives and uh, visit heavenly places where they feel deep connection with everything around them. A lot of the times, these experiences led people to uh, find a spiritual path or offer a sign that a conscious mind can exist apart from a living body. Uh, so we have some clips of some first-hand accounts, and I will play them for you right now. In the next instant, I feel a profound stillness in the center of my chest. Something's missing. It's the beat of my heart. My heart has stopped beating, and nobody else knows it yet. Then suddenly, I can see everything in the room. There are the bags of blood hanging on the IV pole, already being transfused. My anesthesiologist crouched on his stool next to me, oblivious to the fact that I have no heartbeat. Then a series of loud beeps from the cardiac monitor sends out the alarm. The anesthesiologist springs up and slams the large red knob on the wall, summoning the hospital resuscitation team. He flings off the surgical drapes and begins pumping on my chest with his muscular arms. My ghostly pale body flops up and down. The worst has happened. I've lost my baby, I've lost all my blood, and now I'm having a cardiac arrest. But amazingly, Instead of being terrified, I'm watching the catastrophe from a space of extraordinary equanimity, even as I realize I'm dying. It's all over, and I'm about to slip into nothingness. That was Bettina Payton. She's a neuroscience, uh, neuroscientist, um, and she was actually giving birth, and she had a... a, a Something wrong with her placenta. You can hear the whole. I'll have a, a link to the whole to the whole speech that she gave. It's actually very, very interesting. She's a really good storyteller. Um, but she had an issue with her placenta being attached to her uterus when she was giving birth, and uh, when that happens, a lot of the times that the the either the mom dies or the baby dies or both, and um, she ended up having like a. Um, losing all of her blood essentially like like the the placenta ripped and and she was losing all of her blood Jeez. but the, even though they had already planned for that they had brought in extra 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 things of blood to kind of just like keep blood going through her and, and all that stuff she had still lost everything wow um obviously she's still alive to tell the tale mm -hmm. but the way that she tells the story that she's above everything she can see everything inside um of the of this of the room and seeing her own body, essentially. Jeez. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. Um, we have another one here. And I know that we as a culture, from the illusion mysteries to the uh, Egyptian mystery cults, have been profoundly interested in our death because our death and our conceptualization of death tends to define our lives. What I think may lay beyond tends to really affect how I live my life. And what I'm here to tell you is... I didn't have a white light experience, unfortunately, or fortunately. I don't have a memory of a two-week period uh, from when that happened. I did find out when I, when I learned about Kenneth Ring's work. Kenneth Ring is a psychologist from the University of Connecticut, 
who studied near-death experiences that less than 20% of people who have had near-death experiences have the classic white light. I didn't have the white light, but I had a profound... I opened up my eyes. You know the th first thing that I saw when I opened up my eyes in the uh, cardiac unit at Cornell Presbyterian? I opened up my eyes and I saw Marty King, Larry King's brother. You know Larry King suspenders? His brother was getting a bypass and he was in the room next to me. And I, I was totally disoriented. And I opened up my eyes and said, where am I? And there he was, Marty King, who looked like Larry King. And he said, you made it, kid. You made it. And I said, where am I? And he said, you're in the cardiac unit at Cornell Presbyterian. Your ticker stopped. You had a, they almost lost you. And I said, oh, surely I'm in some layer of hell if I'm, I can't believe where I've gotten. But I did feel different. I felt profoundly different and I had a really, really deep existential thirst when I woke up from that moment. I said I wasn't put on this earth to do what I was doing, and I needed to change my life. And that started a, a really uh, intensive transformation process where I started just going to the library and reading books about philosophy and religion and the nature of consciousness, and I went back to school, and I realized that purpose was the key. My life had lacked purpose, and for me, purpose also now meant helping other people. That was Nicholas Carderas. He was also a, um, a survivor. And his story is interesting because he didn't have that kind of experience where, you know, you see your dead relatives or whatever, the white light. Mm -hmm. um, however, when he woke up, he was actually dead for over an hour. Wow. Um, and when he woke back up, um, he, well, story time, he, he was, uh, he had overdosed. Um, he was on like um, opioids and um, like uh, stimulants. Oh, so he, oh, he was just bad on a mix, yeah. bad mix. Um, but he was, he was dead for over an hour. But when he woke back up, uh, he quite comically, he sees Larry King's brother and um, he had that kind of like, wow, there has to be more to this. I, I, I'm ruining my life. I, I need yeah. to, I need to change this. And he ended up started counseling other people and, and, and uh, with their addictions and things too. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So you really, that was a real thing? He really saw Larry King's brother? He was, okay. his bedmate was, was Larry King's brother. Okay, cool. <laughs> he was like, Sur surely I'm in some lair of hell. Where am, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> Larry King's brother is here. Um, we have one more here actually too. It was January 3rd of 2014. I'll never forget that morning. <laughs> It was a beautiful sunny day. I decided to go out on a bike ride. I needed to do some errands around town. There was a little voice inside of me that just said to not go out riding that day. I don't know where that came from, but I ignored it. <laughs> I got about a mile, well, not quite a mile from my home, and I could see some traffic coming in on the right. At the very last minute, I realized that first car wasn't going to stop. I knew in a flash that I was going to die right there. It was a woman driving a, a big SUV, and she hit me broadside. I put my hand out like this to try to veer off my bike the other direction. I ended up flipping onto the top of her hood and looked in. I think she was so focused on her phone that she didn't know that she had hit anything or anyone. So I ended up pinned between her vehicle and the road as she drove. As my shoulder hit the pavement and my body hit the pavement, I had an interesting thing happen. I had what, what I call a sense of dual consciousness. Me underneath the vehicle, you know, being dragged under this vehicle. But at the same time, I saw the whole accident unfold from a position of 50 to 75 feet outside of everything. I see myself laying under the vehicle in pain and screaming. I saw a woman struggling to hang on to life. That was Nancy Rhines. She's um, an author of the book after she had that experience that she wrote about it. And um, she had that kind of dual consciousness where she can see herself but she was also underneath the car that's intense that was a very intense one yeah like imagine like just i mean you really can't imagine mm -hmm. but being just like in a second 
you're out of your body. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but again, we watched the show surviving, uh, surviving yeah. death. Yeah. You watched the whole thing. I got to yeah. episode three so far. Yeah. What, what did, what was your takeaway from that? You know, it made me less afraid of death and kind of solidify the idea of being eternal beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, when people, I, I definitely, you know, the people, one thing that it was a lot of people talked about was the light of when they, you know, the kind of what this next step was. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it showed, and a lot of people were like, death, it wasn't a bad thing. One of the ladies didn't want to come back. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it just it just really gave me a little bit of calm and peace around death because it's one of these things that people a lot of times don't like to think about. But what's that saying? You know, don't take life so seriously. Nobody gets out alive anyway. Like, death is one of those things we're all going to have to go through. Nobody gets out of it. It's not like a thing where some people get out of it. Like, oh, I got out of paying taxes this year. I got out of blah, blah, blah. Nobody gets out of it. It's the only thing that everybody has in common. Yeah. Um, I... I forget her name, but it was it was the lady who was who was a surgeon in the first episode, and and she lost her son. Yes, I, that's what I was thinking about her. Yeah, she's actually in a lot of like medical, um, uh, actual medical research studies on oh. NDEs because her story is very very good. Um, so I actually saw several that she was in. She was actually in one of the mentioned in one of the articles that I, I used for this, but um, uh, sh- her story is very intense she was kayaking yeah and she ended up drowning yeah pinned beneath the uh the kayak when it flipped over mm-hmm. yeah. and so she was pinned she was down there for what 30 45 minutes something, something like, that. like that yeah um until somebody went to just grab the raft or grab her life vest that slipped off of her yeah because they and thought felt her yeah because they, they they wanted to like oh we better just give this to her husband because they thought oh she's a goner we can't find her yeah yeah and so he like when he went to go grab the, the thing <laughs> his foot touched her and so he jumped down underneath the water pulled her back up gave her mouth to mouth resuscitated her after like being under the water for like 30 45 minutes oh god and she had that full experience after that and, and everything and and the story that happened afterwards like like she she was a scientist she has she's like she was a surgeon or, or a medical doctor of yeah. some sort. and and so she had a reputation to actually to to protect by by not saying this mm-hmm. however she's like i have to i have to ex- explain this because i i there's no other way that i could like talk about this yeah um but then what happened afterwards was she lost her son yeah and obviously she she grieved yeah and all that stuff too but she also was like well you know what he because of my experience that i now know that he hasn't left me yeah but you know the, the other thing about that was that the one of the beings told her, you know, mm-hmm. that that her son that she was going to lose her son early. I think mm-hmm. that was her old, youngest child, was it? Mm-hmm. And she thought it was going to happen when he was a teenager. Well, I don't want to give it too much, uh, you know, away. But right, yeah, yeah. But it was it's an interesting story. And in the near death experience, she had that kind of like psychic, if you want to call it, or that that just the future being pre told in that. Awesome. Oh, and the other one too—the lady, the pregnant lady. She had the same issue as Bettina, um, where the placenta was was. That okay, I knew I'd heard that something about this story before. But, yeah. but she had, um, she was having premonitions before. Yes, yes. And yes. she was like, she said she saw a fountain or something, and it was all of a sudden turned into like blood. blood. Yeah. And all this stuff, and she actually had had died on the operating table giving birth. She her, her daughter lived, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but she had, she had passed, but came back like that was crazy. And then she said after, this is another thing that happens too. After people have NDEs, they tend to have other, uh, abilities. So like she, even though she had those premonitions beforehand, after she had that NDE, NDE experience, those premonitions got more and more and more. And so now she's actually kind of like a psychic medium. Wow. Speaking of mediums, mm-hmm. <laughs> the next two episodes were actually all about mediums. Yes, yeah. And I, I had an experience with the medium. <laughs> yes, we talked about. Th- we had it. Ep- yes, we had a whole episode about about the story. But yes. I, I it was episode nine for those of you who want to look back. I don't remember what it was, but it was uh, Grandma's on Grinder with Stone Street. Yeah. Oh, with Stone Street, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, 
this was very strange. So I, I was, I'm going to tell a little bit of the story again, but I was on Grinder one day and I started talking to this guy and, and, and I sent him a picture of me and he's like, when I look at this picture of you, like I just see, it wasn't a nudie picture. It was, it was a normal picture. Mm-hmm. I didn't send him any nudes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, he, um, He's like, when I look at this picture of you, like, I, I just get, like, this grandma feeling from you. And he starts telling him, like, like, grandma, what the fuck are you talking about? And he goes, did you have a grandma that passed away? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and and I actually looked. I, I actually have the text. I, I saw them again. I, I screenshotted this whole conversation that I had with this guy. And uh, he starts telling me, he's like, you know, your your grandma loves you. Like, oh, like t- tell me, like, for my grandma. And I was like, What? Like we have to meet, and he be, like I, I met up with him later on, and he gave me a whole reading, like did a tarot reading and everything too. It was so weird and super accurate, and like how how that happened to me was very similar to like how some of the stories went in like the medium section too. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like the I, I told you about this earlier, but I really didn't like the lady with like the funny voices. Yes, yes, that was a little Hi, bit. Hi guys. I'm a spirit guide. I'm going to tell you everything about right now. And like, she's like, the ectoplasm is coming from my body. And I'm like, lady, you're, too, yeah. you're doing too much. Yeah. Well, she, yeah. Cause she did that voice with the little boy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then the, she had an older man that came out first, which is like pointless. Like what was he doing there? Yeah. And then the, the, the lady voice that came out later, uh, Fleur or whatever her name was, mm-hmm. she was the one doing the reading. I'm like, this is weird. There's a, just a lot going on. Yeah. It was too busy. It was too busy. It was all show. But the the other one that I I did believe and I really did like was was the medium that had been working as a medium for forty years before, and she ended up um, uh, kind of her abilities changed after a long time, and she started uh, channeling a specific entity who was a doctor, mm-hmm. and she started becoming and and she started channeling this this entity. And healing people mm-hmm. through him, and when she went to, into her trance and started speaking and being that doctor, I'm like, this this lady's a different person. Yeah, yeah, that, that was that was she legit. Was a, she was a different person. And then the yeah. guy even said, like, yeah, like I even during that healing thing that was, and and you know, he came in and he was like shaking all over the place. Mm-hmm. When he when when the medium started doing her thing, and the, the doctor came out and started healing him with with the fine energy. Mm-hmm. His hand stopped. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. And afterwards, even they they were like, "Yeah, like he's a different person. He is he is not a bundle of nerves now. He is like, he's healed." Yeah. So that was like one of the really like big parts for me in the show. You got to finish it. I loved the uh, reincarnation one. Oh, that's the last one. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So get there. I don't want to get too much, but like, what, what's the what's the highlight from that from you? It's just the the facts of the what people could recall from their past lives. Mm-hmm. You, I don't, I don't know how to say it without giving it away, but it's definitely worth looking into. And a lot of these were, I'll just say this: a lot of the reincarnation ones were kids mm-hmm. who should not have been able to know what they knew. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just, I'll just say that. And they were at that age to where, you know, that, that certain age where, uh, I think you're, you're in uh, the alpha or uh, theta state, you know, your first seven years or so. Mm-hmm. And you're in that, you know, form where everything just, that you, everything you hear comes in. It's like, you know, you're, you're fully subconscious mind. You're absorbing everything. Oh. Yeah. So as a child, you're, you have a different brainwave. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they don't have the beta brainwaves don't develop until like 8 or whatever you because they're just so everything just like when we have our conscious mind and our subconscious mind uh-huh. when you're that young it's just all subconscious mind because you're that's your growing years so you're just like a sponge sucking everything up and as you yeah as you grow you kind of get that what do they call it critical area or whatever that thing that that separates the conscious from the discerning subconscious. area. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Do they tell this is a this is a reincarnation story that I I knew from a long time ago? But did they tell the story about the kid in Germany who remembered a past life that he was murdered and he had a scar on his head, and when they um, he he had had like this whole memory and was like I was murdered like I was murdered blah 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 and he actually knew like what 
uh, what village it was in, who did it, where wow. he was buried, because they never found where he was buried. Um, and then when they took him, he never been to this village before in his life, never even knew what it was called. Wow. Like, and then so they, they took him. He knew exactly where, where it was, who it was, who his, who his wife was, went and saw his wife Whoa. and knew her name. They found the body and they found the guy that did it. And he did it with a hatchet to the head where the scar was. Wow. It's a very no, well known. So I was surprised that they didn't actually tell that in that one. No, I know there's something about somebody with the head thing that matched something else, but I don't know whether it was that story, but I want to look that up now. Yeah, it was like a little kid in Germany, I think. Child. Very interesting. All right. Well, although there is tons more research every year on NDEs as more and more experiencers tell their stories of the great beyond, however, we are not any closer to understanding the afterlife until we ourselves actually pass on from this world and into the next. Surviving death is just a stepping stone in the direction of truly understanding what lies beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. We have a quote this week. We do. As we do every week. This quote is from Carl Sagan. It says, I would love to believe that when I die... I will live again, that some thinking, feeling, remembering part of me will continue. But as much as I want to believe that, and despite the ancient worldwide cultural traditions that assert an afterlife, I know nothing to suggest that there is more that is more than wishful thinking. That's Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan. All right, and every week we also have a gratitude list. Um, you went first last week, didn't you? Did I? I, might, I think I did, yeah. That's my turn. Um, I am grateful for... I didn't even think about this before anything. Um, I'm grateful for... I think I probably said this before, but I'm grateful for changes. Mm. I'm just grateful for... Positive changes in my life and, and new structures and, and newness. I'm I'm grateful for having people around me that I love. I'm grateful for. Um, uh, I'm grateful to have a job now. Mm. Yeah, I'm grateful to have a job now, even though it's it's kind of a eh, job, but it's a job. I'm just happy to have a job, and uh, it has a lot of downtime, so I can get stuff done like the show. And sleep <laughs> and sleep. I have taken a couple of naps. It's not good, but you know when you're sitting there for seven hours a day and you wake up at five in the at three in the morning to get there at five and Jeez. you just sit there. I can, I can only imagine. Well, I've done it before, but years and years ago. Uh, what am I grateful for? I am. You mentioned work. I'm grateful for. I work from home now, mm -hmm. and sometimes it is so hard to work from home to keep myself motivated. I have somebody who's now keeping me accountable, uh, a friend who's keeping me accountable that calls me or texts me every day to see how many phone calls I've made, and it's somebody I don't lie to, so <laughs> I have to make these phone calls so I don't uh, say a disappointing number, so that's somebody who cares you know, enough about me to like make sure that I'm making these calls so mm -hmm. I can you know, build my future. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the, the few things that happened this week that made me feel that people are taking me seriously as a singer songwriter mm -hmm. uh you know that my music was uh you know it, it's I, i'm just kind of floored by all that and i'm grateful to you know still have my place despite uh to have a place to stay i, I remember years ago there was a time when i didn't and certain times little stuff like that can be taken for granted so i'm grateful to have my you know my place totally yeah See? To have a roof over your head the roof is on fire um, well, you can follow the show on in social media uh, on Instagram at a cosmic journey pod on Twitter at a cosmic journey pod. I am Dimitri Wild on Instagram and Twitter. I am Jay Maceo Music on Instagram and Twitter. You, if you like the show, if you find the value in this show, if you want extra content and early access to our episodes and also possibly new videos, because we just did our first video today of our Jake's Cosmic Insights and Demi's Astrology Corner, you can support the show on Patreon. And it's entirely pick your own pricing, so you can get all that stuff for a dollar if you want. Yeah, you can also rate us, you know? That, it, obviously. If it's good, you can rate <laughs> us. If it's bad, that button don't work. <laughs> um, also, if 
you don't always have to financially support us, but you the best way to support us is just to rate us five stars on, on Apple Podcasts. And uh, you can also send us a comment. We'll read the comment on air on the next show as well. Mm. So that's a very easy thing you can do to support us as well. Because the more ratings we have, the better visible we are. Yes, and, and help us with that too. You know, We hope we can help you uh, with some great information. We hope that you share us with your friends. Absolutely. Share us with your friends. You might like this show because we want to get this show on the road and in people's hands. Yep. And in their ears. Um, uh, oh, don't forget to subscribe as well. We have a special thanks to our Patreon subscribers, Tish, my mother, and our new one, Kate. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, girls, for yes. subscribing to us on Patreon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I think that's everything. Well, so, thanks for listening, and as always, Godspeed, God Starseeds. Star